If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. Oh, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. Hey, how's everyone doing out there? Welcome to a Word Homie, a presentation of the Limp Ditka's podcast. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. Welcome to the Limp Ditka's podcast. We're just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of University of Michigan football, number two in the country, Ugh. and the Chicago Bears, who beat my Ugh. Detroit Lions this week. Uh, yeah, rough rough times for the LDP. Uh We've yeah, the got, LDP's in shambles. Yeah, we have an incredible show lined up tonight. We have a major, major news involving your Notre Dame fighting Irish that is earth-shattering, and it even ties into my experience as a college football fan. It ties into Maction, the Maction Minute almost. Uh, we have plenty to talk about with the college football committee's misguided attempt to rank the top four teams. Um, we will correct that with our own limp six rankings. Uh, lots to discuss there. I've uh, got to talk about the Michigan state Spartans winning the land grant trophy over Penn state this week. Now, when you uh, win that, do are they, do they win land? Do they get a grant of land? Or? We'll get into it. We'll, we'll, okay, get, okay. we'll get into that. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, then we've got, of course, a recap of Thanksgiving Day. as Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, as we are obviously fans of the Cowboys and Lions, who have been featured on Thanksgiving Day for the past 60-plus years. Uh, didn't go so well for didn't us. Didn't go so well. No, no. no. Uh, and then, uh, that's unfortunately, yeah. Then we've got some bears information to go along with that lions game. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be fun. So let's go ahead and kick this motherfucker off. Well, um, in case you hadn't heard, uh, uh, Brian Kelly, uh, under contract with Notre Dame is no longer the Notre Dame head coach. And instead he's gone to greener pastures. Uh, uh, and that's greener by financial dollars and, pastures. and probably a lot easier um, recruiting wise for him um, heads over to LSU for a hundred million dollars over 10 years. That includes a $1.2 million loan from the school so he can buy a home. Yeah. I mean, now, it's rough. It's rough these times. I mean, this, there's a, there's a big real estate bubble, so it's tough. You need that extra million and a half over your million point two over your $100 million coming to you over the next 10 years. Right. And what about the 2.7 million he made at Notre Dame this past season that I found out was only $2.7 million because they allow him to keep 100% of any endorsement that he does that's approved by the school. Mm. So most, in a lot of cases, not all cases, because every, every coaching contract's unique, but normally the school gets a percentage of whatever endorsements you get because sure. you're representing the school also because you're their coach. 
In the case of Brian Kelly, he gets 100% of all. Any endorsement he does, he gets 100% of that. Any any How much sort of endorsement do, I don't I mean I wonder if it's local so I, I don't see a lot of national Yeah it's not like it's not like Sabin Sabin's got like the Aflac Yeah oh god so, enough with Sabin and the Aflac shit I've seen but, way too many of those But yeah I I don't I don't know I don't know what he's doing I don't know how much he's making from that but what what I have been trying to figure out is even without that at, at making 2.7 million dollars a year I mean, you got like a, a coke habit or something, buddy, or, or a gambling problem that you need to take a loan from the school to buy a house? Yeah, that's odd. Oh, it's an interest-free loan, so it's I, I don't fully understand that yeah, I transaction. Mean, yeah, but still. I think he heard that, you know, some other coach got that deal, probably probably Nick Saban, so he wanted the same one. He's like, I'll write that into mine as well. Yeah. Um. I, I can't say I'm I'm surprised. Okay, and, that, that was my first question. I had no idea. I feel like the whole world has been blindsided by this. Are well, you? No, no. I, I'm. I'm blindsided. I'm. I was surprised to hear like at the moment. At the moment. In the timing. And the timing of it, and essentially, maybe he timed it so he didn't end up in the playoffs because, like a lame duck coach, they tend not to favor well in in even if even if certain teams were to lose ahead of Notre Dame this week they may not get moved up in the playoff because no. of that situation um that's but, gonna be a hilarious scenario we'll, we'll talk about the funniest scenarios that could happen in the playoff but but um you know if you think about it I think he probably came to the realization he was never going to win a national championship at Notre Dame due to their restrictive um you know, recruiting policies with, with, you know, a lot of grade A talent gets turned away, uh, turned off, I should say, more like by Notre Dame because of their very restrictive um, uh, uh, grading require, you know, requirements and, and GPAs and stuff like that. And I, he's going to a school where that is not the situation. So. Yeah. I believe it's, it's I believe strange though because is that they different? Ask you to, I think they ask you to spell LSU to get in uh, to the football <laughs> program. So, but is that any different than it was twelve years ago when he took the job? Like, what? It's like I don't understand. No, but I don't think he. I don't think he realized how can he how difficult realize? it was going to be. I mean, that that's just unbelievably naive on his part. And it, yeah, it, maybe it, and it I, worked I for him for 12 that, but, years, but I think he knows, I think he's, I think he's really like, it's like he knows he can get enough talent at LSU with, with the, the same coaching staff and, and, and show up and beat Alabama. Cause they'll have the horses there to do it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it's, I guess it's clear that the the money was the deciding factor, and that's also why the the horrific timing of it. Um, you know, really, what this comes down to is National Signing Day. The early signing day is December fifteenth, so LSU demanded that he he come right away so he could get to work on that because he'd miss a you know half his recruiting class for next year. So that's why I think there's a few things that I think happened. We saw. Um, what's his fuck from Oklahoma sign with, you know, suddenly go to USC where yeah. it sounded like uh, LSU thought they were in the running. I had, 
so all of a sudden they were caught with their pants down and just backed up the truck for the next best guy that, well, maybe not even the next best guy, but the next guy that would accept their $100 million. And that was Brian Kelly. So, you know, we, we, like you said, you're probably not surprised because he's done this before. In fact, he's done this to my alma mater, uh, 15 years ago, um, central Michigan university. He left in the middle of the night in a very similar situation to go to Cincinnati. That isn't, nearly as crazy to, to understand because I know that Central Michigan is a stepping stone school. He moved to uh, Cincinnati who had, you know, was, had a, a shot at some real bowl games where Central Michigan never did no matter what. And, you know, he did a tremendous job for my Chippewas uh, winning a shit ton of games and going to two bowl games. So I can't complain there, but it's just shocking that the perception now is that Notre Dame is an intermediary step to get to a real job. So <laughs> suddenly Notre Dame looks like a stepping stone school, which I've never, I don't think anyone's ever thought of that way. So I think that's what the, a lot of the vitriol towards Brian Kelly is. It's, it's really shattered the, the perception of, of Notre Dame now, which is may or may not be, uh, you know, the correct way to look at it, but it seems like the reality at the moment. I don't, I don't perceive it that way, but, Okay. I mean, I don't, well, you I don't see what see I'm saying you... that though. He, he thinks that LSU is a better job. So, I mean, no, he thinks that L yeah, he thinks that LSU is at least a job that's going to pay him more money. And like you said, easier to get to a national championship. Yeah. I, and I believe that I believe any school outside of Notre Dame pretty much outside, except for Northwestern is probably easier school to get to a national championship that, that is in there. That is, that is in the, in the hunt every year. I guess I, mean, I would define that as is by definition a, a stepping stone. Then you know you work. Yeah, your way I to, guess. But. I guess. I mean, if a stepping stone school gets to the national championship, gets into the playoff over and over again, then yeah, I think of a stepping stone school more as one that um, is is I, a school where you get you 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 get the 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 team to overperform. And they're not they're not in the national spotlight as much. I guess Notre Dame is a national spotlight yeah, school. So I get that. I guess it's just I'm I'm probably being too harsh on this, but I'm I'm making a joke a little more serious than it is. But it's just it's just kind of jarring, I guess, for the for the national landscape because you never thought of Notre Dame that way at all. And they were they have been in the hunt for throughout their history for national championships. How, you've only made the playoffs one time though, haven't you? No, he's we've we've made the college playoff at least twice. Oh, I thought it was once. No, no, at least twice, if not three times, and then and there's lost every time. Well, yeah, I mean, Michigan State's made it once and got destroyed by by Alabama, so I understand that side of it. But well, I think that might as well lead into our discussion of the playoff, unless you had more. More angst? No. You want to shut? No, I just, I just like, I just, I'm reading the details of the contract, and when I saw this interest-free loan thing, I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, what is this guy doing? Like, why does he need an interest-free loan? To your point, it probably is. It's probably he got wind. Whoever manages him or whatever it was like, you know, uh, Saban got an interest-free loan to buy a mansion in Alabama. You should ask for it too. How many million dollar homes are in Alabama and Louisiana anyway? 
Well, that's the other thing. I think the 1.2 million uh, is going to cover was underhanded on my part. Co- sorry. Cover it all. <laughs> Well, congratulations to Brian Kelly. You have a bunch of money and cemented your reputation as uh, someone never to be trusted. Uh, Yes, exactly. I'm I'm wondering what LSU thinks about how long he's going to stay there, if he's really going to be there the full 10 years, or if he finds some other place to go, Uh, probably probably to the pros at some point, if if they pay him some more money. I mean, you wonder if, uh, yeah, you you wonder if... um you know, if it doesn't go well and after like year five, what, who, who will be looking to get out? Will it not just be Brian Kelly? Will the school be like, shit, we fucked up on this thing. You know, (laughs) we can only hope. And I guess the next question will be what, uh, what, who is Notre Dame going to get, but we don't have to get into that today. I think we should get into that a little bit. Um, I mean the, the immediate speculation was one of the one of my funniest scenarios for the playoffs actually is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati himself um, that he would be an early candidate uh, I've I've heard Urban Meyer might be a candidate uh, I've heard that that was one of the immediate ones he has said in the past that he would he thinks of three places that he would want to coach would be Ohio State Michigan and Notre Dame and he crossed one of those off his list. Unfortunately, he is gainfully employed right now by mm. the Jacksonville Jaguars. I wonder how much he's regretting that decision. Well, and the Jaguars aren't still aren't extremely happy with his off <laughs> off the off the field incident. Yes, so. I'm sure. Although that would be more digestible by an NFL team than Notre Dame could handle that. Right. That now. is so. true. That <laughs> but, is true. Um. I don't know. Back to the Luke Fickle thing. I mean, how how ridiculous would that be if you know Notre Dame does make the playoffs somehow, which is a scenario that that could happen this weekend, uh, and they they po- they end up in the playoff without a coach, but then they poach a the coach of a team that is in the playoffs in Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. And that maybe they play Cincinnati in the playoff, and Fickle <laughs> walks across at halftime. <laughs> The dramatic walk across the yeah, field. I yeah, like the, you know, like like those weird scenarios we did on the other podcast where players got traded in a double header. Yeah, and, they and just, just went to the, the other, other went to the other dugout. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and this is unprecedented. Ficker is crossing. He's ripped <laughs> off his shirt and is wearing a Notre Dame shirt under a Cincinnati shirt. Oh, that would be that would be incredible. That's all that would be for. that would be now that that's entertainment right there. It would. I mean, that would be the scenario where you know Notre Dame couldn't beat them, so just take their coach. I mean, yeah, that's, just take that's just just perfect. Take your. We're just gonna take you in dramatic fashion at halftime. I like. Oh, that. you know what's going on here in Chicago? They're saying, "Why don't you take Matt Nagy away from the Chicago Bears?" That's the third candidate I've heard, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bunch of. Uh, wishful thinking from bears fans that they could get Matt Nagy off their hands and maybe, maybe Notre Dame would just take him somehow. I don't think somehow I don't think Matt Nagy is going to be employed uh, very much longer by the bears or anyone else. Uh, but we'll get into that later on. Um, so we might as well talk about the college football rankings that came out on Tuesday night. We're yeah. It kind of went on a Wednesday. Went, went kind of like we thought. It like it went pretty much like we thought, but I think there are some serious, still some serious injustice and some serious bias towards Alabama, which just drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, um, the fact that they remain number three. Yeah, despite looking as pathetic as I've seen any top ten team this year, 
Oh my God! Uh, they should. They did not. Auburn. Auburn blitzed and they could not handle it. Yeah, six and six. Auburn uh, held held Alabama scoreless through fifty one minutes. I think it was, and held them yeah. only three points through fifty nine minutes and thirty some seconds. Uh, as they've Alabama's finally able to to tie up the game and send it to four overtimes to finally prevail. Uh, that coupled with, you know, they, they've already lost a game this year. I just don't understand why they keep getting so much love. Uh, I, I would put them as the least, uh, the lowest ranked of our one loss teams. Um, well, let's back up. We can go to just to list the, the committee's top, top six, of course, Georgia, um, Michigan, Moved yeah, up to number I, two from out of I don't, nowhere. I, I do not understand that one either. I understand. Uh, maybe I understand. no, no, no. I, I, I knew it was going to happen. Actually, I, 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 that makes no sense to me, though. Well, how they go from five to two just because they beat two? They're yeah. saying they're saying they're the fifth best team in the country. Then they they beat oh they beat Ohio State at home, not on the road. So at home. And that that deserves just like you just swap them out, and then Ohio State just like falls to seven. ten or whatever or seven. seven. Yeah. yeah, I I guess I'm not surprised by that. I can see why why you'd bristle at that. I think the only team that I would move ahead of them right now is Cincinnati. That's what we've yeah. done. That's what we've done all year in our in our limp six. Right, we've, exactly. We've made Georgia number one, Cincinnati number two because they're both undefeated, and Cincinnati, of course, has the the best road win of any team in the in the top six, beating Notre Dame. Um, so I, I think there's that's where I'd put Michigan at number three. But it sounds yeah. like you would you would, you, would you put them that high? Oh yeah, I put them at number three. Okay. I just don't okay. I just don't agree with like okay, you beat Ohio State, so now you swap spots. But I mean. It just doesn't make. If you look, they lost to Michigan State. I did look at that. No, it was, no, it was right. fun. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, they lost to Michigan State. If you look at that, then you go in and you beat Ohio State, who who you you know obviously you hadn't beaten under Harbaugh and or like or something like ten years even too. But still, like I just don't I just don't see how that's an automatic swap and how Cincinnati continues because they're kind of crashing the party right now because they haven't lost in, in, in the way they're looking at it and, and counting their TV dollars that that's part of it. But the, you know, the committee has always shown they're reluctant to give credit to any uh, group of five schools. Yes, so that's, that's, that's just, that, yeah. That's so just they'll always is. give the benefit of the doubt to the, the big 10 or the sec and that at number. So I'd have, we, I'd have so we're in um, agreement so far. Yeah, I'd put Michigan at number three. So at number four is where it gets tricky. Where you're, com- I've already put Alabama at number six. So four and five is where we've got Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. And I guess Oklahoma State was impressive. That game was fucking fun to watch. Bedlam versus Oklahoma after they lost it, or just before they lost their coach the next morning. Um, I would say that's that's a better win than than Notre Dame has had this year. I mean, Notre Dame's best win is Wisconsin, who's not in the top twenty-five anymore. Um, but I still I still would put Notre Dame ahead of Alabama at least. So I, I'd keep I'd keep uh, Notre Dame at number five. Do you do you agree with the Oklahoma State 
moving ahead of of Notre Dame. I mean, I that mean, puts I, them number four, which puts them. Yeah, in the I mean, playoff. I don't totally have a problem with it. I don't think their win over Oklahoma is that impressive because Oklahoma hasn't been that impressive this year, and they I barely agree, but, beat them. Yeah, I mean, so, the, the committee thinks they are. That I mean, that's why. That's well, the committee. Why they, let's let's be honest. The committee is fucking bullshit. Okay. Well, they're, they're, Again, big, we, they're big stack of bullshit and they're sitting there and they're literally looking at what is going to generate the most money for college football, which is fine. Great. Great. But that is why Alabama holds the three spot right now. Well, fuck them. Be- we made them because, number six. Because when Georgia beats them this weekend, well, th- that's again. this allows them to, to then they don't they don't have to fall out of the top 10 or anything like that well hopefully they'll fall out of the top four at least because i do not think they deserve to be a playoff team at all but let's get back to four and five for us would you are you making the argument that that. notre dame should be ahead of oklahoma state no i'm not saying i'm not saying that's that's necessary it's not something i would uh to quote you often during these conversations i'm not going to die on a sword for that argument because um I would say overall, I think Oklahoma State's schedule, when I went back and looked at it, they definitely have had more uh, quality wins probably okay. over. Uh, well, I guess if you look at teams ranked at the time, uh, I didn't go back and look at where where they are now because it just shows you what they're ranked when you played them. Well, they but, beat Baylor. Um, I mean, they beat Baylor and they beat Oklahoma. So that, that's pretty yeah, damn that, good. Yeah, so. it's pretty damn good. That's 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 more than Notre Dame can say. So um so then we've got yeah. it. So we're pretty much yeah. agree. So yeah. we'd move Alabama to six to get them out of the picture, which they'll but, be out of the picture anyway. So well, and that's that's where it comes down to. All these rankings again, all year long, all these rankings have just been for clickbait and for television dollars, just for pure entertainment. Because none of these matter until next week, the selection show happens next Sunday. Uh where you know, we've got conference conference championship games is all we have left. Notre Dame does not have a game to move up. Uh, Ohio State doesn't have a game. They have not made the Big Ten championship game for the first time in like six years. Um, so we've got a scenario where Notre Dame has a chance to get into this playoff, but they need some help. And I think the first place they really need it is from Cincinnati. They need they need Cincinnati to lose to Houston, which I think is is possible. In the is it the American Conference, American Athletic? I don't even know what yeah, conference. It used to be Conference like USA. Yeah. Um, I think Houston could beat them, but of course, I thought SMU was going to beat them a couple weeks ago, and that didn't happen. So, I think that that that's the best case. That's the that's the easiest one of of the chaos scenarios that could help Notre Dame in. Um, I think we definitely need Georgia just to beat the shit out of Alabama, just to get them out of the picture. If Alabama plays close and loses, even that's going to give the, like you said, the committee to give them an excuse to put Alabama in the playoffs somehow. And I just, I'm, I'm sick of it. I don't, I don't think Georgia has a shot or I don't think Alabama has a shot. So if that's the blowout that I think it is, Alabama is out of the picture. So that helps Notre Dame. Um, but I'm I'm wondering if Oklahoma State wins, they've got to be in the playoff if they win if they win the Big Twelve championship. Michigan wins the championship their championship. I think they're in. So I think that that's the scenario that 
that's where I think it, the most plausible way Notre Dame gets in is if Cincinnati loses. I don't know. Did you have you? Yeah, they need a they need a lot of help because you've got to give it you if as long as Oklahoma State wins, you you've got to put them in over Notre Dame. Um, it, it well, the question is if Oklahoma State wins, what does that do to Cincinnati too? Like you yeah. wonder. That would have to bump Cincinnati below them. I mean, the the resume is so much more impressive at that point for for Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. and that and that was why I'm not like I said I'm not going to argue Oklahoma right. State jumping ahead of Notre Dame by by any stretch. So, I mean, what really what really needs to happen for Notre Dame is Iowa needs to play their greatest football game of the year, yeah. and and you never know. Yep. And, and like you said, Cincinnati needs to lose, and then it's uh, it only it pretty much turns into a no brainer for the committee at that point. Well, then we've got close to anarchy. If if Michigan loses and all those other scenarios play out, it's hard to say who who would even be you know if 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 uh, Oklahoma State loses, you know Notre Dame is in. If and in any chaos scenario, Notre Dame goes in because they're not even playing this week, so things just fall out of their way. Yeah, don't you kind of think if if Michigan loses, even over since like if Michigan lost and Alabama lost, don't you think it's Oklahoma State and Notre Dame both move in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but the the, the thing about Notre Dame is they kind of they have to have two losses. I I feel they have to have two losses in there to to really get it. Yeah, you're probably right. Outside of the Alabama loss. You know, that's so, where I want Alabama to get crushed. That's why they need either Cincy or Michigan to yep. lose. Like you, like just like you had said. I mean, I'm right. in, I'm in agreement with you that that is what's going to have to happen. The beauty of it, uh, as I was was feverishly texting you the other night, is they <laughs> the the playoff committee. They're not about you know we we know they're not idiots. They're not idiots in the way that they're going to manage what's going to be great for college football and. Even if Notre Dame doesn't get into the playoff, they have now set up scenarios where you can see a matchup still of like we talked about already. Notre Dame and Michigan State could be a possible bowl game. Oh, outside that's of, a, yeah, yeah, that's a huge draw, ball. right? That's a huge TV draw. That that's would a be the Limpdinkas ma- Bowl right there. Yeah, that's a that's a classic matchup we don't see on a regular basis like we used to, which used to be a lot more fun for us. Thanks a lot. You also. Dame. You also, got a, you also got another scenario of where you get Alabama Notre Dame too. Um, you know, be- so they they have they have they have set this up in such a way that college football, even without uh, Alabama in the in the playoff, still gets gets its due and gets gets its gets its payday. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So and I did go back and look at um I understand now. I understand now why why the Big Ten is weighted so heavily and gets so much respect. I the went RPI back. The RPI stuff you were quoting before? No, no, not the RPI stuff. I went back and looked at the TV shares uh-huh. for every week in college football. <laughs> yeah. And Big Ten, boy, do they they hold a lot of the top ten share. They hold some crazy matchups like. Nebraska, Ohio State had like an 8.9, like the best share of the week. It's like, who fucking cares? Mm. But like, so they bring Lots in of TVs, I, they bring in a lot of TV revenue. 
And you, you also do have like, you have weeks where like Alabama, the Alabama matchups, number one or Georgia matchups, number one, but then, so you had weeks where Notre Dame also was like the most viewed college football games. But so it's, it made even more sense to me now (laughs) why you, you saw this, like, wow, we have all these big 10 teams in the top 25. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it's, I'll continue to say and until until we get back to some something that has less human involvement uh, uh, that that will always uh, uh, have a, a play in in how these decisions are made. Well, we should definitely go back to your by next week after the selection show has has committed their atrocities. You should uh, bring up that RPI ranking or that site you were referencing. The, the final RPI ranking. And wh- yeah, and what they would say the top four or top six teams would be. That'd be fun to watch. Some fun to yeah. check out how it compares. I'll check the RPI site as well as the uh, what the computer would have done on the final oh, yeah, ranking the too. Yeah. Well, you mentioned TV rankings as that is definitely a factor, uh, whether it's overt or covert. Uh the Michigan Ohio State game was the hi- highest rated game. I mean, I was tuned in, like in the entire years. time. Yeah, it was incredible. Michigan, Michigan State uh, was the had this season's highest ratings until that game. So, Mich- yeah, Michigan seems to be the common denominator there. But uh, that game was a fucking blast. Uh, the the nice The nice part of it is, I would have been just as happy if Michigan lost as if. Ohio State lost. Uh, I was looking forward to that game just for the spectacle, and they they provided all of it. I think it's kind of a kind of a good scenario. I, obviously, we are united by our hatred for the University of Michigan, but in that scenario, I I mean, we both hate Ohio State almost equally as much, if not equally as much. But um, it's just kind of nice to have that that classic rivalry kind of be a rivalry again because when Ohio State wins ten in a row. How do you call that a fucking rivalry anymore? That's yeah, the classic right. hammer versus nail rivalry, which is not a rivalry. So I kind of like that idea that, you know, Michigan finally wins it. So now going forward, there's some hope that this, these games will continue to be really good and not be not be so predictable going in the way we the whole world, I think, thought that Michigan was going to get trounced. Michigan held strong. They, they were pretty impressive, uh, especially on defense. Uh they really control the game on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So they still gave up like 400 yards passing. Yeah. But they could run the ball at will. Uh, I saw that. That's what was amazing. They, I mean, they controlled the whole second half that way. I, I saw a crazy stat that I'm not sure is true, but uh, Michigan never had a third down play in the second half. They, they'd get first or second downs. They'd get the first down on first or second down every time. So they just they just controlled the ball the whole second half and suffocated them. You know, as I, I made the joke like with seven minutes to go, can can Jim Harch Jim Harbaugh choke away a fifteen point lead here, uh, like he did against Michigan State? But that was, of course, uh, halfway through the third quarter instead of the halfway through the fourth quarter. But he did not. He did not choke it away, and they came away with a victory. So. You know, whatever. Again, I would have been just as happy if if Ohio State won. Um, it was just a fun game to watch because I didn't really care about the outcome, other than that this is kind of a cool scenario that that rivalry is might be interesting going forward. Um, I think equally interesting were some of the 
the shit talk before and after the game between the coaches. I don't know if you heard this. This is a big deal no. in Michigan, maybe not quite as nationally, but um, certainly a big deal in Ohio. I can tell you that. Uh, Jim Harbaugh after the game, uh, who's known for his odd quotes or using weird cliches and odd situations, uh, said some people are born on third and think they hit a triple, which we've all heard that phrase uh, many times. But he's referring to Ohio State coach Ryan Day, uh, mainly taking a jab at him because Ohio State was such an incredible program and Ryan Day walked in three years ago and just inherited it. Right. Uh, there's a quote from last year that wasn't necessarily in a uh, most wasn't necessarily supposed to be made public, but Ryan Day said, well, go ahead. We'll, we'll hang a hundred on Michigan next year. I think that's when the COVID uh, Michigan canceled the game because of a COVID outbreak last year. Oh, right, right, right. So there's some history there, but just some stupid back and forth, but I find it hilarious and ironic and especially funny that the irony is lost on people like Jim Harbaugh and any Michigan grad that liked that quote, the, the phrase you're, you're born on third and think you hit a triple is the perfect way to describe Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines and any Michigan university, university of Michigan person. Uh, they are the, they are the elite. They are the blue bloods that think their shit doesn't stink. So I just found it hilarious that I couldn't figure out when I first saw the quote, like some people think they were born on third and hit a triple. Like that's you, Jim. That is, that is every Wolverine out there. So I just, I found that funny. I also saw on social media, like people wearing t-shirts, Michigan versus everybody in maize and blue you know, playing the underdog card, oh, like, like they're the downtrodden that, 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 that's a, a version of a classic t-shirt in Detroit, Detroit versus everybody that, that stems from the city of Detroit being shit on nationally. You know, it has, uh, not the greatest reputation, but we have pride in, in our city and that, that, that city's actually made a, a big turnaround in the last 10 years. But yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like, you know, both of our cities here with, with, with the, pop pop that goes on here in chicago i mean we've both earned earned our our blue collar yeah blue collar and and people shitting on it we've kind of earned it by the way it's covered in the national media but 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 but, i totally understand and respect the idea of all of detroit like that but not fucking ann arbor yeah you're like the fucking elitist enjoying your fucking wine before the game yeah the wine and shut the fuck up you whiners you want some cheese with your wine you little bitches come on (laughs) So those things just made me laugh. Like just the self-delusion, the, the lack of self-awareness made, made me, made me yeah, chuckle. So I mean, I mean, good God. Congratulations please. to Michigan for winning your big game. Uh, but uh, you clearly uh, make the rest of us laugh as you, as you have no idea you're, you're standing in the world. Yes. Yeah, so Mel Tucker, the bad motherfucker or the bad mother Tucker, as I like to call him, uh, Signed a big deal this last week, actually one week ago tonight. Uh, he finally signed the rumored 10-year, $95 million deal, uh, $5 million less than <laughs> Brian Kelly. I don't know if that's which, a Which, you know, it was originally reported at 10 years, 95. So he probably was like, I deserve more than Mel Tucker. And $1.2 million for a house. And I'm not sure yes. what Mel, Mel Tucker got. So <laughs> congratulations to Mel. Um, He's a better money manager. Uh, that went into uh, the big Penn State game, the, as as mentioned before, the land-grant trophy. 
Um, that trophy, I don't know if you've the Big Ten is ridiculous about trophies in general. The little brown jug and I, I think college football kind of is. You 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 sometimes don't even notice, and then like you've seen this matchup for years, and you're like, oh, they're playing for a trophy in this. And you're just like, that's so random. Yeah. I feel like the Big Ten is the corner of the market on that. I mean, they've got every rivalry has a has some kind of trophy associated. Paul Bunyan's trophy for Michigan, Michigan State. Paul Bunyan's right. axe between I think that's Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, the little brown jug between Michigan and Minnesota, which I've never fully understood. The brass spittoon. Uh, what is that? Is that Pen- Purdue? I don't even know now, but. The land grant trophy might be the most ridiculous of all of them between Michigan and Michigan and Penn State. Uh, apparently, both states are were granted statehood through land grants, or there's some commonality with land grants in their history. I, nobody cares. I believe the history is that George Perlis, uh, former Michigan State coach, Michigan State great uh, Rose Bowl winning coach, um, he he made it up basically and created the trophy. And I guarantee you've never seen this trophy because I think they try to not not show it as much as they can because it is the dumbest looking trophy you have ever seen. It looks like <laughs> a deranged junior high shop class project. It's literally it like was. A, it's like a it's like a rectangle box with like little weird shelves coming off randomly off it with with like <laughs> shitty tro like I'm not even joking. It's like little trophies like. Like the classic, look this up now. Yeah, like the classic $10 trophy you'd get for playing a soccer game, uh, just kind of randomly placed around it. So, and I don't know why they do it. I think George Pulis was just a weird guy, but he wanted to, wanted, it's a big ass trophy too. So he wanted to make sure like it was not a spindly little, little thing that it, should, it was not easy to carry around the field, I guess was his point. But I don't know. It's, it's bizarre. But uh, so, you could you could call it the the land battle for the land grant trophy, or since uh, James Franklin also signed a ten year extension with Penn State last week, you could call it the ten year extension belt or trophy or what have you. Uh, we've kind of made fun of James Franklin for a while on on this show, and I'm not really sure why he has a job, why he is getting a ten year extension. For doing that job, he's he's now finished four and five in the Big Ten for this you know, losing record for the second year in a row. Um, he's that, like yeah. seven and five this year. So how does that guy get a ten year extension? It was I've seen it reported as seventy five million or eighty five million. Regardless, it's an insane amount of money for a very mediocre coach. Well, I mean, if you're looking at it from Penn State's point of view, you know, he's got no shower misconduct or anything like that. So, you know, the the bar set kind of low there. They're just happy that there's not any uh, negative press coming coming (laughs) to the school. That dude's set for life for being as mediocre as it gets. Um, Did he know he was did he know he was playing Michigan State this weekend? He did know that, but apparently he did not know that Michigan State had the worst secondary in all of college football. As I mentioned last week, the last few weeks, I think they've had the the worst uh, secondary. They the yardage given up was to the point where in their final game against Penn State this this week. They could have given up zero yards and they would still lead the nation in, in worst pass defense. (laughs) <laughs> somehow that message didn't get to James Franklin as he continued to try to run the ball in the second half 
and pissed away an opportunity to beat Michigan State on the road. Um, it was unbelievable because they were throwing the ball in the first half and they, they, they were making some incredible catches in really ad- adverse conditions. Um, I'll get to that in a minute, but um, basically state uh, state, you know, stepped up, got, got, got business done uh, pretty much how they've always done it with, with a balanced offense and just enough defense to, to get it done. They won 30 to 27. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the third had another 138 yards and a touchdown. Um, I'm wondering that brings up the question, like, does he get back in the Heisman race? Uh, it was reported uh, this week. He did not practice at all. Uh, and it makes you think about what was happening last week. Um, he had the flu and it was not reported until late, late last week that he did miss all of all the week's practice yet. He was able to come back and run, like I said, for 138 yards and a touchdown makes you wonder if he was under the weather possibly against Ohio state the week previous, uh, as he uncharacteristically only had six carries and 20 some yards. So. I'm wondering, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to give him a mulligan because I'm a Michigan State fan. Uh, I don't know if the, the Heisman voting committee will do the same, but it's just that game was such an anomaly against Ohio State. He was so poor and then came right back back to life uh, the next week. So he uh, is among the leaders in, in uh, rushing. I think he's the second leading rusher in the nation. I'll get to who is the first in our action minute coming up, but. Um, I don't know. I thought I, I, the, you know, CJ Stroud, he did throw for 400 yards against Michigan, but you know, they did, they did lose the game. Uh, obviously shit. I forgot. I forgot, uh, Alabama's quarterback's name, but he was horrendous until the last minute of the game, basically where Auburn gave it to him. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third moves his way back into the Heisman conversation. Did, did, what I didn't understand uh, going into that Michigan State Penn State game is why Penn State was the favorite. I didn't see that they were the fa- maybe I, I didn't pay attention. Um, I guess maybe just because State was beaten so badly uh, against Ohio State. That yeah, it was just strange. Was over. I looked up the line and and Penn State was a negative five. Yikes. Well, I think that that speaks to what a big win that that really is. It is just Penn State, and I, I kind of make fun of them, and they are uh, barely over 500 and under 500 in the conference. But that was a huge comeback for Michigan State and Mel Tucker. Um, as embarrassing as the Ohio State win, Ohio State loss was, you know, how that could maybe spiral. And certainly, you know, the next week, how those <laughs> that 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 much of an embarrassment could, could send the program spiraling and be be really embarrassing for a, you know, a coach that just signed such a historic deal to lose his final two games of the year. So I really, I really think that's a big deal for a state to win that game. It's their 10th win of the season. Uh, The first time they've won 10 games since 2017, I believe. Um, so it's a it's a cool thing. They're obviously going to a, a big bowl game. We talked about that earlier. Uh, they have a chance to go maybe to the Fiesta Bowl is, is the the rumor. Super cool for Mel Tucker's second year. So I think I think that's awesome. You know, again, it's it's you know I keep propping up what a big win that is. It is just Penn State, but I think it was a really crucially important win for the program. So go green. I mentioned the leading rushers in the country. 
And that would lead me to our Maction Minute for the week. And this might be a little more than a minute, uh, as it involves my Central Michigan Chippewas, who beat Eastern Michigan on Friday uh, to take the Mac, the Michigan Mac Trophy, is what they refer to it. The, the, there are three teams in the Mac from Michigan, Eastern, Central, and Western. And Central, for the second year in a row, beat the other two. So we, we've got the Mac Michigan trophy, whatever that is. It's in the shape of Michigan, so it makes more sense, at least, than the land-grant trophy. But uh, They did that on the back, again, of Lou Nichols III, uh, the leading rusher in the nation for 2021. Uh, believe it or not, your Central Michigan Chippewas have the leading rusher in the nation with 1,710 yards. Uh, he also leads the country in all-purpose yards with uh, 2010. Uh, he's 10th in the nation in touchdowns with 15, I believe. Um, so an impressive, impressive year for Lou Nichols, the third freshman running back. Uh, I, you know, he, in, at any other school, he'd have a shot at the, at the Heisman trophy, but that's not going to happen from a, a Mac team, um, unfortunately, but who knows, maybe if he keeps this pace up, maybe he'll start getting more of a national following, uh, if central, rides that to close to undefeated records we might be getting some national attention I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a bit uh but he was also uh the max offensive player of the year they named today uh to go along with that uh khalil pimpleton who i've mentioned before finished as the max special teams player of the year so there's a lot of talent happening uh going on up in mount pleasant these days so that's all I've got for the maximum minute. As your eyes are glazing over, uh, I had to pump. Are we up still my doing? Are we still doing the? Are we still doing the podcast? <laughs> had to pump up my alma mater as these accolades are rarely seen for the Chippewas. So, congrats! Fire up! Ooh, I feel like after that we need to take a break. That was the maximum two minutes. Sorry about that. <laughs> so yeah, let's go ahead and take a break with and come back with our thoughts on the Thanksgiving weekend in the professional ranks. So we'll be right back here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. Major League A-Holes in the Hole Podcast, where baseball opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and most of them stink. Find us at MajorLeagueAholes.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Wordhole Media. Hey, welcome back to the Limp Ditka's podcast, and we are going to cover the Thanksgiving Day recap for this podcast, who has the unique uh, the unique uh, claim to fame that both of our teams always <laughs> play on Thanksgiving, good or bad. We've got to be the only, I think I mentioned this last week, we've got to be the only podcast that focuses on the Lions and there aren't many podcasts that focus on the Lions, but Lions plus the Cowboys. It's kind of a bizarre scenario. So we have to own Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And, Unfortunately, uh, we did not yeah. own Thanksgiving on any way. But No, uh, the Cowboys uh, came up just short on Thanksgiving for their fourth loss of the year. Three of those uh, can be phrased as coming up just short. Yeah. I thought you those... had the best game of the day, though, at least. I mean, that, that was a compelling yeah. game. It was fun. Yeah. Um, the, obviously, the injuries on defense are starting to catch up with the Cowboys a little bit as, as 
the Raiders were kind of able to run and pass and kind of do whatever they pretty much wanted, it seemed like, from an offensive standpoint. The Cowboys, and, and speaking of offense, the Cowboys' offense took a little while to get going, and they finally did, and it was, it was a game, and it was an exciting game. It was a fun game, obviously, for uh, anyone just watching and wanting to enjoy a Thanksgiving Day game. Unfortunately, the Cowboys came up short, so it wasn't terribly enjoyable for me. But uh, I found the only part I found not enjoyable, other than feeling bad for you on a holiday 28 penalties called in oh, that game. I yeah, mean, it was the, unreal how many, how many, how much the referees were involved in that. It, it was, it was horrific. <laughs> it had no flow to it. It was, it was bizarre. Like how much, I, I don't know if, if there, I didn't notice that one team was being favored over another necessarily. I don't know if, if you perceived it that way, but just too many, too many penalties in general. Well, it was the, the most interesting, again, whatever the Cowboys should have won the game End of story. But uh, Anthony Brown, our cornerback hadn't had a flag thrown on him all year and he had four thrown on him in that game. So that was interesting. Um, uh, A couple of them, I at least two of them, I would say were, were deserved, Um, but whatever. Usually it all evens out the Cowboys. I, I do remember seeing a set at one point, the Cowboys have been penalized for 115 yards and the Raiders have been penalized for like 50. But Mm. I mean, the Cowboys have been penalized a lot this year though. So that to me didn't shock me. Okay. Um, They have a lot of false starts uh, on on their offensive line and they shoot themselves in in the foot a lot, uh, especially in the red zone. And, you know, it, it catches up with you and, um, but but the Raiders did get to move the ball downfield on a couple of like long pass interferences that were called against Brown. So um, anyway, I mean, the Cowboys, again, were without their top two receivers. But like I said, that's what kind of took the offense a little bit to get going. Cooper would um, be coming back next week because he's only well, off thir- tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, I forgot they're playing Thursday night. Yeah, then they get their mini like mini bye week finally. They get 10 days off and there are there's some good news about tomorrow night against the Saints. You get CD Lamb and and um as you pointed Amari out, Amari Cooper will be back, but also DeMarcus Lawrence is coming back. Mm. So we finally got one of our starting edge rushers uh in the game. Your coach um, will not be coming back. Our coach no. won't be there because uh, COVID continues to sneak around the uh, the Cowboys facility. And yeah. uh, the good news, you know, at least um, he's vaccinated so he can, you know, go through the normal protocol. Uh, unlike yeah. Co- Cooper had no choice in the matter. He had to miss the two days at a minimum, the two games at a minimum because of yeah, them being within. Yeah, protocol. Yeah. So, but uh, after this week, when the Cowboys go to play the Washington Redskins, they will be what looks to be at 100% on the defensive line. Mm. Um, uh, early season injuries, in, in, uh, injury to one of the defensive tackles, Gillimore, he is back this week, but he's not going to be cleared to play till the following week. So over that 10-day period, by the time they face off against the Redskins, which is 
you know, uh, saying like when we roll into December, the Cowboys are going to be really healthy from a defensive standpoint, which will help them, which should help them just clean up the NFC East. Um, which was funny that they lost again, but then Philly lost to the Giants. So, <laughs> like, the Cowboys really didn't lose any ground by losing. Um, because Philly's the Philly and the Redskins are their, their two closest uh opponents there. But, um, it, it would seem that for the first time this season, they're gonna probably take the field in that Washington game, uh, at, at pretty much 100%. So, they they will have they will have some issues this week. Obviously, not having your head coach there probably can lead to an issue. You hope that I know Dan Quinn's going to kind of be a uh, part of the regime, kind of watching, and I think they're going to be making sort of like group decisions. Uh, a couple of the coaches, so um, not we'll ideal. See, no, no, we'll see how that goes. Um, they also won't have Tristan Hill for the game because he punched a Raider after the game and kind of waited waited for someone who had an issue with the entire game and decided to punch him. So he was suspended for two games. He appealed. This moves a lot faster than we see in baseball. He actually appealed, and they heard the appeal prior to the Thursday game. <laughs> what a shocking development. Wow. And uh, he is going he, – he, he dropped – he lost a game, so he's only going to lose one game, so – I guess he's sitting out the Saints game, um, so they'll be without him. So, uh, so we'll see. Uh, Kamara is supposed to be coming back, I think, for the Saints. So that will make this game a lot more interesting, especially when your starting interior isn't there due to suspension and still from injury. So, um, could still be. A, I mean, again, I know they're going to. I think New Orleans playing in New Orleans, while that helps New Orleans, I think it helps the Cowboys too because of how fast their their receiving core is. And now you'll have Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup all on the field for the first time this year. Oh um, wow! For a whole year. Yeah, I so, didn't realize that. So um, that should be fun to watch. That yeah. is going to be a lot of. Uh, the ability to throw the deep ball should be available to the uh, Cowboys. Well, I'll be watching Thursday night football. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but my Thanksgiving tradition for my family, my entire life is Thanksgiving lunch. Essentially. We always have our Thanksgiving dinner at 1230 or so, uh, depending on when the Turkey's done. Uh, do, do you do a, evening dinner you probably do a lunch too so you can focus on your cowboys that are always in the late afternoon i know yeah it usually uh actually it very it's usually about 3 30 actually okay. so it's usually during the game well my my whole life my our thanksgiving dinner is during the first half of the lions game and that that might be by design by my by my folks <laughs> you know 30 40 years ago um and we've continued that tradition on and i i don't mind because i get to miss a lot of pathetic lions parts of pathetic lions games so i appreciate that and this this past thursday was no different as it doesn't get more pathetic than losing to the chicago bears uh especially in the manner in which they lost uh 14 to 16 to 14 um the lions uh when they play on sunday they will have gone this coming sunday they will have gone 364 days without a victory <laughs> i thought that was an incredible wow story. uh they have lost 
they have not won their last 15 games. They do have a tie in there, but they have not won their last 15 games. And that, that span is 364 days. Of course, that is the longest in the NFL currently. Um, you know, just another frustrating Lions game to watch. Uh, a little bit of indigestion. I watched most of the second half. Uh, I did see in the first half the Lions scored in their opening drive, which was encouraging. Uh, DeAndre Swift was running the ball as he's as he has been until he went out with a shoulder injury and it looked pretty damn severe. And it's just like, of course, the one good thing the Lions have going for him. Uh, it sounds like he is going to be out multiple weeks is the quote right now. I'm not really sure what that means that you know, we don't have that many weeks left in the season. Uh, so he might be out for the whole season. I, I didn't see if it was a you know, a shoulder separation. I thought it was maybe a broken collarbone, um, but it, it looked ugly. Another unfortunate, uh, the only positives we've got, they all go to shit. Um, the main thing with the Lions this season is the scrutiny of coach Dan Campbell. I like to call him Danimal Cannibal. Um, he did not... Uh, make himself he did not uh make himself any allies i guess you could put it this week uh he gave a lot of fuel to the enemy uh as he did not cover himself in glory or look like a competent nfl coach in in many ways i've been reluctant to to give him shit um yeah uh i you know play calling was a major issue last week i've been reluctant to to criticize play calls from any coach just because there are so many of them in any game. The vast majority, if, if you win, they work. If you lose, if one doesn't work, you're in trouble. Yeah. You don't know the, the what's happening. I was questioning the philosophy last week of a third and long draw play where you're essentially giving up, uh, especially in that scenario where they had, they had chance, their only chance was to throw the ball and to possibly complete it. But then you, they followed up with a punt after a third, third and long draw play. Well, the Lions not only had two uh, third and long draw plays, they were third and long, third and 32 yards, which I've never, you never run across a third and 32, let alone two of those in the same game. And the Lions ran two draw plays off of them, or at least one draw play. Maybe it wasn't a draw play in the second one, but. The idea that Dan Campbell is still running a draw play on third and long is hilarious to me, but that, that's a minor discretion considering what happened it, when the game was at, at its crux in the fourth quarter as the Bears were methodically driving down the field, uh, trailing the Lions, believe it or not, 14 to 13, and could the Lions could not get them off the field for the last eight minutes. Part of that was because of the complete ineptitude of the coaching staff. And whether you blame the the defensive coordinator or Dan Campbell, somebody fucked up uh, in the final minute of the game where not one but two timeouts were called, uh, which is a penalty in the National Football League, uh, when the defense could not line up. You call the first timeout to set up your defense on a critical third down against a pretty mediocre bears offense. Apparently that no one was listening or mixed messages were sent during that first timeout because they were unable to line up properly 
coming out of a fucking timeout, at which point the Lions coaching staff compounded their errors and folly by calling a second timeout. And there, there's a bunch of problems with that. First of all, it's, it's inept. It's also not understanding the situation. Uh, after the game, Dan Campbell is quoted saying it was either call a timeout or give up a touchdown. And honestly, with 30 some seconds left at that point, that was your only way you would possibly win the game as the bears were already inside the 10 is if you gave up the touchdown there so you would get the ball back and have a chance at least to go down the field and kick a field goal. When you essentially call a timeout to save the touchdown, you are giving them third and short, which they, of course, converted easily, and then were able to run the clock out and eventually kick the game-winning field goal with no time left. So not only are they inept, they don't understand basic strategy. It is a bit unorthodox, of course, to you know think to give up a touchdown. It's a, there's some illogic to that on the surface. But when your alternative is you are going to lose the game when they just run the clock out, you might as well give up a touchdown and have the have a chance at least. And that 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 basic fact has escaped Dan Campbell. And it's 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 very frustrating. Again, you know, I, I say this every fucking week, but the scene the season is meaningless. You know, we it's better for the Lions to be losing to ensure that number one draft pick next year. But when you have a coach that is signed on for this year and five years after this showing that he's simply unqualified to be an NFL football coach. Um, it's, it's very disconcerting. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the guy again. Um, I don't know if you've seen interviews with him. I'm sure you've heard the, the knee biting quotes. Um, have you ever noticed his voice? I'm, and I'm definitely piling on here, but his voice, he sounds exactly like Buffalo bill from signs of the lambs. <laughs> I'll have to pay closer attention next time. She a great big fat person. <laughs> you bought a size 14. You don't know what pain is. <laughs> I could just see him going. So next time you see Dan Campbell, just think of Buffalo Bill. I don't, I think you'll see it immediately, but I mean, I know on its skin or gets the hose again. I will tell you, I've read a lot about Dan Campbell this week. Cause this, this, this folly, this double timeout was finally the breaking point for everybody in Detroit. Yeah. I mean, the coverage that this received locally that ended up in my feed was, was tremendous by local Detroit press where kind of exactly what you were saying, like, you know, he's, he's, he's said a lot of the right things and, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, you, he gets kind of gets a pass overall on this season because yeah. he's coming into a mess and they're not supposed to be winning football games. But you, to your point, you also don't want to be losing games because you're calling two timeouts and then you say something stupid. Like if he had come on after the game and said, it's inexcusable. We called two timeouts in a row and the better thing would have been to let them just score the touchdown. So our offense could come back. I'd be like, I, praise I mean, Jesus. You guys lost. You lost it yeah. for a second in the midst of a game, but you, you understood what was going on, but coming out and, and, and we, we saw it. Um, there was a game I watched where, uh, NFL team let someone score just so the offense could 
get the ball back and 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 try to win the game because essentially you know uh they would have been able to round the clock otherwise so like i probably is a little bit worrisome for you um (laughs) but also is is this a scenario where like you know, maybe next year we don't really see this at all from him. Yeah, you know what maybe, I mean? Maybe these are just growing pains. Hopefully he'll learn from it, but it doesn't sound like he has as I lose Pete again. Um, yeah. The, I mean, I, I just, we'll, we'll see, I guess, but it's just doubly infuriating as he loses to uh, an equally incompetent coach and in Matt Nagy and the Chicago bears. Um I believe this is the second time. I mean, there was rumors going into that game that Matt, Lake, Matt Nagy would lose his job, whether they won or lost. Uh, he has seemed to uh, earn a reprieve by winning, uh, whether you believe those rumors or not. But this would be, the, I believe, the second time this season that the Lions specifically have saved Matt Nagy's job as he was on the, the very hot seat and rumored to be fired in their first matchup in Chicago. Uh, when he was able to pull out the victory and then again on Thanksgiving. So I think bears fans have the lions to thank for having met Nathan <laughs> remaining, remaining their, their football coach. So it would have been even funny. It would have been even funnier if, if Dan Campbell came out and said, well, we took those timeouts to let the bears win. So Nagy wouldn't get fired. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that'd, that'd be, that'd be four dimensional thinking right there. Yeah. And but then I'd be know, impressed, but. You know, speaking on that front, and, and we were we thought we were having you know breaking news, and last week, and he was out for sure. A Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who doesn't even cover sports kind of, in a way, put his his integrity reputation, reputation yeah. out there with this news, and then it all kind of like went away. There, then there were reports that came out that. Uh, the the report that Brad Biggs did about them canceling the walkthroughs is not a big deal because it was just a mistake that the second walkthroughs were even scheduled because mm, it, that it sounds was, like revisionist history on the Bears' part. Yeah, that that it it was it was normally when there wouldn't be a second walkthrough because it was uh, X amount of days before the game and they had forgot that the game was on Thursday. Like I'm like, how do you forget the game was on Thursday? Yeah, that- I'm calling BS on that. Yeah, I'm I, calling BS on that. I think I mean, the report I, got out there and the and the Bears had had to reverse course. I think it was really going to happen. And then it broke in the media two days before they were going to pull the trigger and they couldn't do it. They literally couldn't do it because everyone was privy to it. So I think yeah. they're, they're stuck with them now. And this year, is, at least, it, it has been uncharacteristic of the Bears. They don't. They normally do wait till the end of the season. That yeah. McCaskey organization has always done that. So, um, the the only good news about this is I don't know if you're aware of all this, the funny stuff that's happening. But at every sporting event in the Chicagoland area, a fire naggy chant <laughs> starts at every Bulls game, at yep. every Hawks game, and even at the Illinois football game. <laughs> This wow. past weekend, uh, the the fire Nagy chants uh, or Neggy is it Neggy Nagy Neggy Neggy, Neggy uh, chants have been have been have come out. So um, it's it's a consensus in the city yeah. that he should not remain the head coach of the Chicago Bear. Well, to wrap up my kind of Lions coverage, uh, I always have to bring up what's going on with Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams. Who dumped, Welcome back, Matty. 
dump their third game in a row. Thanks We've missed in, you, Matt. <laughs> thanks in part to another subpar performance uh, that Lions fans recognize out of Matt Stafford. He threw his third pick six, third in three games, uh, which I'm not sure if that's happened before, but I know he is now taken sole possession of 20 or of sixth place uh, on the all time pick six list, taking it from uh, he was tied with Philip Rivers and now he has sole possession with 26. Uh, I believe Peyton Manning or Drew Brees is next on the list with 27 or they might be tied. I'm not sure. So Stafford is moving up uh, quickly on that list. So the other incredible stat that I know you you would not be aware of and you were going to be blown away by this. But the Lions actually have, get get ready for this. All right, I'm sitting down. The Lions have a better record in the month of November than the LA Rams. Oh, because of the tie. Yes. <laughs> the Rams are 0-3. The Lions are 0-2-1. And, and that is that is definitely my stat of the week. Uh, that I, is, that is a we got in between the numbers with Brian. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you read into that. Um it's it's just I mean this is you know uh what's the German term Hodensfried Frodensfried uh, but whatever sure. the um term Did you that, say scrotum fried yeah something like that uh <laughs> god damn it I forgot that one too but the delight in the suffering of others uh yeah the, there's it's it's partly out of spite that I I like seeing Stafford fail it's um partly out of just being annoyed with the the incredible like the bouquets being thrown towards Matt Stafford in the beginning of the season when suddenly the the whole world realized what Matt Stafford or thought they thought they realized what Matt Stafford was as an MVP candidate uh but it was all Detroit's fault that he was been so mediocre yes. his whole career but it's now it's now uh kind of turning against him and it, it's it's like I said it's this is the Matt Stafford we're familiar with, like making ridiculous decisions and costing his team uh, in in the worst in the worst case scenarios and in, in the worst possible moments. Um, not cons- not all the time. You know, most I will think I do, will say that most of the time it's been the Lions' fault. But uh, Matt Stafford is net net blameless in the Lions' failure over the past twelve years, and now people are starting to see it uh, rear its same ugly head in Los Angeles, and it. It's it's petty of me. It's small of me, but I think it's fucking hilarious. So sorry about that, I, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I I really did think he was gonna win the MVP this year, but he's really over the last three weeks have completely taken his name out of out of the contention for that. I mean, and even right before this week's game, there was another article that came out that with like the headline, we always knew Matt Stafford was good. It's just that he played for the lions. And that was even after two mediocre weeks in a row. And now he topped it off with a third. Uh, I am going to, before the next, before next week's podcast, I'm going to go back and I brought up my, my theory that part of it is, is McVeigh too, because I, quite certain except for that one the one season that the rams tend to start off fine but kind of always falter like it's like whatever they're doing it catches up with them like like Mm -hmm. teams catch up to what what they're running 
eventually. That's interesting. So um, I'm going to go back and look at that to see how their Novembers have been under McVeigh in general. And I think it's not good um, if, if memory serves correctly. Because right. I also remember Jared Goff was, was going to be the next greatest quarterback ever in his first couple seasons there. And he just became progressively worse and ended up, you know, with the Lions is kind of like a here we're going to use this guy until we draft our quarterback. So, well, we'll be getting into the draft soon enough. Um, I did want to bring up the the Lions' potential uh, as they have pretty much locked down the number one draft pick. There's been lots of talk this week in particular because of a confluence of events about who their number one pick might be. And uh, due to the incredible performance on Saturday by Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson, a lot of people are talking about him going number one to the Lions uh, right down the road from Ann Arbor into Detroit. Uh, I I mean, before that, it was uh, Khalil Caden, I forget his first name, Thibodeau from Oregon, who was the defensive end that was pretty much the consensus number one pick. And he's had some injury issues and hasn't really shown up in really big games for Oregon. But I think overall, his, his probably measurables are, are a lot of why people have him number one. Uh, but Aiden Hutchinson is is definitely on my radar now and on most people's radar. I think it's a little bit of homerism in that, you know, he's a Michigan guy. But he has been incredible as a defensive end for 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 the Wolverines. So I, we will definitely get deeper into that as we get closer to the draft. But obviously as a Lions fan, you know, I basically wrote off this season pretty much before it began and I'm already looking towards next year's draft. So we'll have plenty to speculate there, but it, it has been a major, major thing in the news, mainly just because of the timing of, you know, a lot of people are even saying that Hutchinson should be a Heisman candidate for his dominance on defense this year, which I think is a, a bit over overstated but we'll see i guess so that's all i've got for the nfl this week unless you had anything else to add no um normally right here i'd be doing an upset special that's but right i'm gonna take the week off um wow uh, it it i looked i looked folks i looked up and down i don't like any of the underdogs this week um it just nothing nothing is is there to that that stands out to me that says this 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 is uh this is not good i did i did pick incorrectly as a straight up win uh this week as well as it did didn't work out for the spread indianapolis and what was also mm. a very entertaining game against tampa bay lost 38 to 31 at home uh they did have a late lead in that one but the ageless wonder Tom Brady, along with the healthy Gronk, just kind of uh, ended up uh, winning that game over in Indianapolis, which moved me to 6-5-1 and one, uh, straight up. But I did go back and run the numbers. I am 9-3 and three against the spread oh, this year. Well, that's, so. what, that's what matters. And I, don't, I, get to, I get to take away the tie because the Lions covered that game because okay. in the, the, with the spread. I think the Lions have covered the majority of their games this year. They, they've they've had some big spreads that they've been able yeah, to cover, like cover. the eleven and a half uh, spread that they were able to cover. So yeah, so, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. So well, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe your upset special is you're telling people that they should do the sixteen team parlay of all favorites. <laughs> this week. I see now my the the 
the uh, the weekly watcher of football and a lot of it would say to you, that is a fool's bet because there is no way every favorite is going to win this week. But call me a fool. I'm put, how how do I put five put five on <laughs> for me on your on your gambling app? Okay, there. I'll put five on it for you. At least that, text that, me back after this. Tell me what the what the odds are if if I get all sixteen in a part. All right, I, I will put all sixteen favorites in and tell you what the payout is. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll send you a Venmo or something. See how this works. <laughs> Uh, we, we always, we always work these exchanges out. It's fine. <laughs> I'll never hear from you again. If <laughs> oh, did, did you, I used my $5 for that bet. Sorry, Smitty. Well, that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is literally figuratively and literally as I think we can wrap this one up. Episode 27. Uh, you can catch us on the web at limpditkas.com. You can catch us on social media at Limpditkas. You can catch this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I'm going to say this is Dagger Time. We out. Peace. Peace.